Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hello and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative and author of How to Start a Side Hustle. I'm very excited to share you today's guest, Jericho, who is also an author, a creative coach, a consultant, and just a great content creator online in general. Um, I've been following Jericho for a while now and love the content that they put out, the digestible way, and it's always creative and, and fun. And was really excited to hear the backstory. So Jericho has an incredible story from, you know, starting out as a journalist um, because, you know, thought that was the best way to express their creativity and um, make money as well. And then went on to work with Girlboss, which for those of you who have been around for a while will know, was quite a significant platform, still is to this day. Spent a lot of time in LA helping to build that platform Um, but had to go on this journey of finding their truth and building a business around doing what they love and also facing all the challenges that come with that, the limiting the beliefs, the self-doubt, yeah, all the imposter syndrome. So Jericho shares lots of incredible tips and their journey in a really honest and raw way of how they undertook it. And yeah, it's a it's a great story, lots of energy. I loved it. I learned lots. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode because I think there is a lot of us out there who think we can't get paid to do what we love and we can't build a career following our passions and the things that we're naturally good at. And so Jericho's story for me is a real life example of what is possible when you choose yourself and you choose your health and your well-being. And you set out to desire to design a career that is based around your personal values and passions and beliefs as well, not just what you think the world needs you to be or that your parents or, or past beliefs might have imprinted on you. So a great story proving that it can be done, it is being done, and that you can do it also. Enjoy the episode, guys. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're finally here, both in lockdowns in different cities. We've been trying to do this podcast with you. Know, I think I was doing like city dashes and we had bad connections and all sorts, but it's so nice to finally be here with you. Yeah, we finally made it. It, it was all leading up to the right moment. You know, it's been a wild few months. So, I totally understand and um, and it's been so cool to see your book launch and everything that's happened since we first got in touch. So yeah, I'm glad that we finally um, made it happen and it was meant to be now. Yeah, there's there's going to be something about today's timing, I think, that's going to unfold. But um, yes, thank you. But let's let's make this about you. You're also an author. You have, uh, is it two tarot decks? I've got three, well, yeah. So I've got two tarot decks and one book, which is kind of like an oracle deck in a book form. So there's three all together. Amazing. And yeah, but let's let's kick off with you and maybe you could introduce yourself and what you do and a little bit about how you got into doing it. Sure. So I am an author. My books are Neo Tarot, Daily Oracle and Pleasure Oracle. And um, I'm also a creativity coach. And I call myself that because my background is in writing and the type of clients that I love to work with are people that are interested in, you know, overcoming perfectionism, procrastination, avoidance, all the things that anyone who calls themselves a creative or wants to make or build something comes up against and find their intuitive self-expression, right? So they can, you know, write that book or just pick up that project that they've always had in the back of their mind that will make their life more enjoyable and more fully expressed. So yeah, for me, it's all about like liberating joy through those kind of parallel paths of spirituality and creativity. 
Mm, I love that. And it clearly shows that you have that self-practice yourself in your business because it, it, it oozes joy. But also we were just saying I love what I've perceived through the business is this deep sense of spirituality and um, intuitive guidance mixed with a bit of business hustle and go-getter energy. Um, but I'm interested to hear what your background was before doing this and then how did you transition? Yeah, for sure. So I left school having um, been a really bad student, you know, but in the last like one or two years of school, I was like, okay, education is going to be my ticket out of here, you know, so to speak. So I buckled down and um, got a result that was enough to go to uni. And I chose to study journalism because I'd always been a writer and I loved, you know, writing in a diary since I was 12 and writing letters and reading heaps. And the reason I chose journalism and not creative writing was because there was that part of my brain that was like, let's also be realistic. You have to make money. You have to be financially independent. And um, so I went down this kind of serial, serious, rational path of like, okay, I'm going to do like journalism and it's going to be... Um, political. Um, I was in Canberra at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll work in um, the press gallery or I'll be like a, a war correspondent or something. Um, but, but I immediately kind of burnt out and I didn't understand why, but that led me to eventually leaving uni and I transferred and I went to another one and I ended up just doing gender studies and art history, which were more enjoyable to me. Um, and then I worked in retail for a couple of years and there was still that part of my brain that was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I went back to finish a journalism as a postgrad student, um, a journalism diploma. And by that point, I was so in this like scarcity mindset of worrying about how I was going to pay the bills um, that I got a thousand internships and I worked in media and I, you know, within the space of like five years, I like clawed my way from intern to, um, editor of, of entire publications. Mm. So it was a lot of hustle in a very short amount of time. And I loved writing. I still love writing, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was essentially just thinking what would make, um, my mom proud, what would show um, the teachers and the bullies that I was smart after all, you know, mm. and um, not necessarily like what's going to bring me the most joy. So I was good at that form of writing, but I wasn't really invested. I was, you know, interviewing musicians, for example, and I hadn't even listened to the album because I just did, I couldn't bring myself to care. And that was like not a good sign. Um, so I knew that I needed to go back to my childhood, find those things that did bring me joy, the things that excited me and sparked my imagination. And that was spirituality and magic and just being that um, that absolute weirdo who like loves talking about UFOs and loves reading tarot. So I was embracing that um, and I knew that I was really burnt out, but it still took ages because at that same point I was headhunted to um, be one of the founding um, staff members at Girlboss, which was becoming a media company at that point. So I moved to LA. I ignored my gut and was like, this is a great opportunity. And of course it was, you know, I'm very glad I did it. Um, but that led to even more burnout. I was getting chronic migraines every single day. I was in and out of hospital. I was just having these like crying, sobbing fits, you know, regularly. I also got really sick and like, you know, almost died because I wasn't looking after myself and I wasn't um, noticing and honoring my body and um, what it was trying to tell me. So after a couple of years of that, it got to a breaking point. And because I was by that point, reading tarot and doing these other more intuitive healing pursuits on the side, I was like, well, it's now or never. Like I can't keep going like this. How many times are we going to ignore my own body and my own guts, you know, truth? Um, so that's what kind of finally, finally stopped 
the pushing and the grinding and made me reflect on what was really important. And so I'm still a writer. That's a big part of my life. But now because I'm working for myself as a coach and a consultant and an author, I get to choose what I want to write about. And so it's more about what genuinely lights me up, like what kind of work turns the brightness up on my life, on on my heart. Mm. So um, that's what what got me here, long story short. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's, there's so much to to the story. And I it's interesting hearing the the you know two years of pushing through or the couple of however long it was of knowing you're about to burn out and your body's giving you all the signals. And you yeah, I'm surprised you last that long. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I guess I'm just really stubborn, hey. But it was also that um, that thing that we all kind of experience where you think, I have to, though. I have to, though. I don't have another choice. There's no other way. There's no way out of it. Like I've, I've backed myself into a corner. And it takes a lot of work to undo that kind of a mindset. It's not an overnight thing, you know, as much as it might seem like you know we hear a lot of stories from founders and healers and the like saying um you know one day I finally you know I had an epiphany like a cartel style right and like that's great for those people but I think for the average people there's so much um toing and froing and there's a battle raging in our minds and sometimes you have to get the same um messages or reminders a lot of times before you actually take them seriously and and unfortunately something dramatic has to kind of often happen before you really take things seriously it's not linear you know mm, yeah it's like the thousand blade cuts and then you're just like <laughs> oh you know you kind of like oh, I can handle that one yep those ones are okay and then you know it just keeps going and going um, but yeah, I mean, also like looking back on that, I don't know how long ago that, but when Girlboss was starting, um, you know, in the startup space, that was huge. You know, that was definitely, you know, the, the pinnacle of, you know, creative, you know, especially women growing in business, you know? Um, so there's that pressure too, I guess, of like, you know, having come from the, that industry as well that it's, if it, you know, you think that it's fitting the, the role that you're meant to be playing and you're, you're killing it and then all of a sudden you're just like, it doesn't matter. None of this matters anymore. I just want yeah. my freedom. Yeah, that's it. It's like the further we go, the harder we work in something, um, we invest so much of ourself in it, you know, and so for me I was like, okay, you know, I've built out this team, I've, um, identify well I've you know defined this brand and what it stands for and you know you you tell yourself you're irreplaceable mm. um, or like oh you know our ego will say things like you know in my case oh if I leave you know it won't be as um, it won't have as much of an emphasis on wellness it'll be all work and all money and like that messaging of like hustle will override the message of balance and looking after our needs and self-care because that was like a big part of my mission there to remind people of that um so yeah you, you think like oh I can't possibly do anything else like this is it um and then and then when you get to that kind of uh crucial point of like this isn't my life this isn't my it's not even my business like I'm just on a salary why am I investing like all this time and emotion and energy into something that isn't my baby, you know, it's a job and I could be laid off tomorrow for all I know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It's so true. Boundaries. Yeah. And I think that's a, it's a nice reminder for people out there too, is like, I don't know. I'd like to think that perhaps maybe people like us who went through that near breakdown moment or Mm -hmm. or breakdown moment, and then finally realized are paving the way for people to not have to go to that full deep breaking point. And maybe we get to help people to start to observe and question, are they doing what they love and show them that it's possible before their bodies break down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like it literally took me having that, 
you know, those sicknesses that stopped me in my tracks and I couldn't work if I tried. Um, And then eventually an an autism diagnosis Mm -hmm. to realise that, like, I had to take myself as seriously as I took what I did for money. Mm, Yeah, that's a beautiful lesson. And so what, what was that? Do you remember what that time in your life was like where you, because I know that a lot of people really struggle, especially in our audience of like, when is the right time to leave? Or what was the the pivotal thing that I guess kind of tipped you over the edge? And and then what did you do from the, those first, you know, few weeks to few years in business? Because I know I get this question a lot and it's I've got friends going through it right now of like finally deciding when to leave, when's the right time, mm-hmm. leaving, also taking time to like connect to what your purpose and refuel and then then building the business up to a point where, you know, you're, I mean, you might have already been there. But, yeah, interesting on that period of your life yeah I think like um another reason it took so long for me to kind of take the leap was because I couldn't just I wasn't in a position to just leap you know (laughs) I didn't have enough um income to just quit my day job as they say Mm -hmm. so I was working even harder in the background on things that would help to kind of um fortify the work that I was doing on the side, which was predominantly um, tarot and freelance writing. And I was also studying so that I could get coach training um, and things like that. And all of that's, you know, ongoing and always will be now that like I'm working for myself as a business owner. Um, But that was really important to me before I just like suddenly cut the cord. But um, yeah, I think it was a mixture of things. Um, people that work for like other other people's brands and businesses will kind of know how, especially in startup culture, how quickly things change, um, especially when there's VC backing involved, when there's um, a real pressure to um, abide by like the values of exponential growth and scalability. And, um, you know, in Girlboss's case, it, it kind of started as a media company and then slowly it was becoming more of a tech product and that wasn't really where my heart lied it wasn't necessarily what I derived like enjoyment and meaning from Mm. so when you have that going on in your you know day-to-day work life and you're also really sick and struggling then it's a bit like well what is it all for you know so I think that was a big um and that's a very natural thing. I think when when businesses of that size first kind of pivot in a major way, there's kind of a natural um, like mini exodus of, of people because it's such a different proposition. Um, yeah. And I was just one of those people, you know, and it was it was very like lovely and harmonious kind of parting of ways, of course. But I think that's just the nature of working for other businesses where they do have such an ambitious model of growth Mm. I think that yeah it's it's true and I think it kind of brings me to my next question around you know do we have a purpose and how do we you know get make sure that what we're doing for work whether it's starting a business or working for someone else's company is in alignment um, with us because I think that's you know the other the lie that we've been sold is that you know, work for me, the the story I was told is, you know, you go to work, you work hard, you get paid and and then you relax on weekends and you do what needs to be done to to pay the bills. You know, it's very it wasn't like, how is work? Are you loving it? You know, what are you working? What's your goals? Um, but I love I also just wanted to reiterate how vital that step is, I think, that you you shared around um you know, having that vision for, all right, I'm going to have to leave and starting to put things in place. And I think, you know, even when you're in that, and I'm, I was the same, you know, it's when you're in that burnout space, but then you see Mm -hmm. the light of what's possible. You almost become superhuman in working extra hard because Mm -hmm. you now know what needs to be done in order to free yourself from the scenario that's not working. And I think, that's good advice for people. It's like when you really truly envision what is going to be possible and and that you can do what you love and be paid for it, 
then you put in the extra hours, you you do the study, you take on the freelance work so that you can make it work, yeah? For sure, yeah. The light at the end of the tunnel is a great way to look at it. You get this kind of extra wind in your sails because you're like, I've, there's meaning to my work now. You know, when I'm going to the, the day job, whether I like it or I hate it, it's actually funding this other project that means so much to me that I'm so excited to work on and you know you you have to have patience in that transition stage Um, and I think it's a lot easier to do that when you remember that like you know your side hustle as we just call it that for now your side hustle is actually your main job and when you go to your day job you're kind of acting like your own investor like you're putting that money Thing that means so much more so you kind of flip the um flip your perspective on like what's the most important priority in your life and I always say which you know pretty much any boss would probably disagree with me on like dial it down in terms of your effort and your time and energy and your investment in the work that you're doing like if you're at that stage don't go to work and give 100%. You know, maybe you can give like 70, 80%. Maybe you can actually phone it in a little and then you've got more time and space and energy to go home and do the other work that you need to get done in order to make that transition. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what naturally happens is you get DC, like once you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you flip the perspective and you're like, great, my job is funding my startup right now. Someone else is helping me get my side hustle off the ground. Um, and you naturally get disengaged and you kind of do the bare minimum. But I think, you know, there's a whole other conversation there around workplaces, not keeping people engaged and making them come to an office five days a week for 40 mm-hmm. hours a week. And it's it's not high priority tasks or excitement or there's, yeah, there's all of that isn't built into the current workspaces that most people go into. So, of course, most people are gonna go, going to want to create their own autonomy and excitement and, and you know, challenges in a business that that, that lights them up. Yeah, especially now, right? Like we're all at home anyway. I mean, we shouldn't say all, plenty of people are not. But for the people that are kind of in that corporate office space, you know, they're sitting at their desk. Maybe they can, you know, see their personal laptop or they can see their bed and, you know, they're in their own time and space. And I think the cognitive dissonance between how they would, like to work and what would bring out the best in them versus that old model that's still being kind of enforced virtually on them it just it feels so much more um obvious what the gaps are in workplace culture now and that's kind of it seems like that's opening a lot of people's eyes up to what else might be out there for them yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm sure you're the same, you know, through COVID had so many coaching clients and interactions with people who are like, wow, like now's the time I'm finally ready to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to that next question. Um, what do you think about people? This is my constant question that I'm trying to uncover and articulate. Do you think that we all have a purpose in life? And if so, how do we uncover it and should we, yeah, be uncovering it to work in it? Mm. So I have a hot take around purpose. Yeah. I think there is an unadulterated kind of definition of purpose that, that can exist. But often in our culture, when we talk about purpose in relation to ourselves, we're kind of doing it through the lens of outcomes, you know, end goals, external measurable things that we can, you know, look at and say, I did it, you know, I'm a success, I crossed that finish line. And so purpose has this pressure to me that I feel like is really palpable. And so I much prefer talking about just meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. and our values. Um, And those are kind of synonymous for me. But when I say that, I kind of mean like, what gives us that inner feeling of being lit up 
of being excited, you know, and stimulated. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know, it can just be um, things that we can identify that, you know, because again, like when we think about purpose, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't know like what my purpose is. And they're thinking about all the things that they can do vocationally. Um, But as I said before, one of the best places to start is just what do I like to do when I'm a little bit bored and no one else is around? What did I do as a kid that made me feel like myself and like alive, you know? And if it's like, oh, I just played in the dirt with worms, it's like, great, maybe you should try gardening, you know? (laughs) Like there's so much out there to explore if we let that sense of like joy and excitement and aliveness lead the way. Um, and I think that that doesn't mean that it all has to be sunshine and rainbows, right? Like for some people, they derive meaning from caring for a loved one who's sick or um, from fighting for causes that they believe in, stuff that we don't necessarily associate with like happy, happy, joy, joy. But mm. <laughs> if that's you know, something that seems to make their heart skip a beat, then there's information there and there's some kind of a doorway to walk through. And I think that's what it is to be kind of intuitively led in terms of what we should be doing. It's just like starting all the way at the beginning in that really small, scrappy, everyday sense, like what do I love? Like what makes me feel the most like I'm living and like I'm in the present moment, you know. So I love when that. It, yeah. I love the expression I think that you said before when you were describing, you know, d- building your own business was where do I light up, you know, and I, you said it a few times. And, and I think that's a really beautiful way to describe it because, it, that changes over time, right? Like I know for me it's it's shifted and changed from like the, like I love helping people understand, you know, concept and idea and bring it to life, but the form, the format in which that has evolved and changed and what lights me up as part of that is, has changed over the years as well. So, yeah, it's, it's I think that's a nice way for people to keep checking in. So whether you've started a business or you're, you're wanting to start a business, is and I love that idea of looking back because I, I actually did a post about this the other day and, and shared some baby photos and stuff. Aww. Yeah, and I and there was this one photo of me and my sister holding hands and I had like no shoes on and I little blonde hair. I, I must have been about two or three, but I've got this huge smile on my face and I just zoomed in on her the other day, like of all the <laughs> COVID darkness and isolation and stuff. I just zoomed in on her smile and I was like, all right, that's that little girl is in me. And that is that is my authentic self before <laughs> the world, you know, mm-hmm. became heavy. And it was Absolutely. really nice to just keep like to to I you know keep coming back to her and to keep reminding myself that, you know, when when I do get overwhelmed or the world gets heavy, like go back and know that that inner child is there and that's your essence and you can reconnect to her joy and her excitement and her willingness to play. Yeah, it's all still there. Like we're still those little kids. We really are. All that's changed is like, you know, our dimensions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's a beautiful practice I think to do with somebody looking to start their own business of, yeah, go back and and uncover. And you might not, you know, you don't have to put the pressure on it to make money straight away. It might be that you just go back and start gardening or whatever and just lighting your yourself up again and then seeing what unfolds. Because I think what when you're on the path and you're starting to really feed yourself joy and time to play and to do what you love, then the momentum builds and things start to happen and you see the world differently. Yeah, so agree. And I love that you emphasised the evolution of it and like naturally seeing what unfolds because when we kind of go all the way to the finish line, you know, that's nothing we can control anyway, you know. 
there may be things that we love to do that will never make us money and that's okay. They still have a place. But when you're checking in consistently and you're doing what kind of brings you joy moment to moment, so to speak, you're remembering that the process and the feeling good is all that matters. And ironically, when you forget about the finish line and you do those things that feel good now, that's what's kind of going to get you to Mm. the place that maybe you haven't even imagined that you could get to yet. So I just, I love encouraging people to be where they are and let that kind of natural, playful and intuitive part of themselves be the thing that leads the way because, you know, we all know, but it's kind of hard to remember sometimes that no, you know, title or amount of money in our bank account is going to make us feel good about ourselves. Mm, We can only do that now. Absolutely. And that's a, a good point. I was reading this scientific experiment that was done um, a while back, but about what motivates humans. And I shared a bit of it on our Instagram around the intrinsic motivation, so the internal motivations that scientists have uncovered that when we're, we have purpose, we have autonomy, and we have mastery in mm-hmm. a, to a goal or a task or a job, um, and we feel like we have those three elements that are woven into it, then we're more likely to be motivated. And when an external motivator is introduced, so if you're, if you're doing something because you love it and you feel like it's giving you purpose and you're, you're being challenged and you're growing and you have autonomy over how you do it and when you do it, you'll have this really sustained motivation the moment that an external motivator gets introduced, so like money or we feel like, you know, we're working to somebody else's deadline or something, then we actually lose motivation. And I think that's the danger is that if people try to go from, oh, yeah, this lights me up, okay, cool, I'm going to make it into a business and start hustling. If you do that, yes, I think obviously that's the dream is to do what you love and be paid for it. Um, but if you put too much of the external financial pressure on it straight away, then you actually lose that momentum. Mm, that's so fascinating. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's really powerful. It's amazing. Yeah, I love that stuff. I went on a deep dive last weekend. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's great. And I think that interesting because I know from you, your perspective as like a, a spiritual teacher and somebody who understands, I guess, like, you know, the uh, the – ancestral stories that we're told and the pressures of society that are potentially um, energetically influencing us, perhaps with a lot of us unconsciously aware of some of the choices that we're making because they're so deeply ingrained in us and the world around us and what's being reflected to us. I'm interested to get your perspective because I know I get this a lot is People, and I've been guilty of it as well, is, you know, you, you choose to, to work for yourself and you're, you know, you want, you want to light up and you want the autonomy and you want to work towards your own goals and write what you want to be writing. But then, and I don't know whether you've had this experience, but sometimes that external pressure of hustling and working the nine to five hours and, um, you know, almost sometimes we just trans like we bring our our corporate world life with us and put these pressures on us mm. when that's what we were trying to move away from and then battling the unconditioning <laughs> of the world <laughs> we're trying to leave and not bring it into this new paradigm of working doing what we love in a way that we love to work totally yeah it's that classic thing of like what got you here isn't going to get you there. And often we can, you know, blame um, like a, a workplace culture or a boss or like a particular, you know, place that we're in or person that we're, you know, co-working with um, as being like the problem. And we think, oh, when I'm on my own, I'm going to be so free. <laughs> and it's like we are our own little tiny dictators mentally (laughs) and we carry that stuff with us if we're not careful like we really have to 
check ourselves because, you know, like it's like such a Brady Bunch quote, but wherever you go, there you are. And so if you kind of don't uh, have some kind of, you know, practice where you can kind of proactively unlearn those um, cultural uh, programming, like nastinesses, then it's just going to be there by default because unfortunately it is our default. Like if you're raised in this like modern Western culture, it's it's so embedded that just kind of shrugging it off isn't enough. Like you have to kind of go in there and pick it apart, you know, and really look at it like eye to eye and be like, what about this do I actually believe even, you know, whose voice is this? Like I love the question, you know, when we have a, repeating kind of um bit of negative self-talk like you're not good enough it's like when did I first hear that kind of a statement when did I first hear like I'm too busy or um life is hard you know just like whatever it is and um it's never us you know we're not born thinking that stuff and so anything that you can do and for me journaling is a big thing to unpack that and to remind yourself of what your values actually are and build a business according to and around those values and reminding yourself daily of that. So I love journaling overall and I love prompts that help me unpack that stuff, but I also have a reminder journal and all I put there is the things that, you know, when you read a quote, like some kind of incredible quote from like, say, Georgia okay for someone And you just think, yes, like that's what I believe. Like I'll put those in place. So anytime I feel a little bit wobbly or my like inner head trolls are a little too loud, I've got something that I can go to immediately and look at and flick through and remember what I actually value and what I actually believe in terms of like what I want my life and business to look like and Mm. what I how I actually feel about myself, what I know I'm capable of, what's I've, what I've done before that's been successful, what I know that like works when I feel like I'm just, I just suck, you know? Mm. <laughs> and so I think it's just really whatever works for the individual, but the, the, the key thing is not just expecting it to go away, actually giving some time and energy to, um, sorting the wheat from the chaff so to speak in terms of like what's actually yours Mm, yeah and I think it's a beautiful example of the journaling and starting with your values and I often share around zooming out you know it's like if if journaling gives you perspective if meditating if being in nature like I I miss surfing for that actually because Mm. you're sitting out in the ocean and it's so beautiful and you you can't be distracted by a phone it's and you're you're one but um yeah whatever that zoom out is because I think if it feels out of alignment and then you can ask yourself the question what are my values and I'm going to build my business to this I think that's great I actually remembered a time where yeah I was taking meetings and running around crazy and hustling and this and that and and it just felt like I was burning myself out in my startup. And I was like, this isn't why I started my business. And and constantly doing that now of coming back to, you know, the moment a ball starts to drop or I'm feeling, you know, I often get sick as well. My body will, will manifest a breakdown of some sort if mm-hmm. I'm not listening and I'm and I'm trying to do it all and and that keep coming back to and also get outside perspective. Like I've had coaches, I've had systems coaches I've had therapists I've had accountants and bookkeepers who you can just go to and say hey you know um what do you think you know what's Mm -hmm. working and and get that somebody to help you get perspective and really check in around what you're creating absolutely and even to hear yourself give advice to someone who's not you (laughs) like a best friend you know the stuff that we would tell someone we care about if they were struggling with something that we're struggling with now is so different to what we would tell ourselves our standards you know I'm a big um I have a real passion for talking about perfectionism because I think people think of perfectionism as like um 
being like a Stepford wife or like Alison Ashley in that book, Hating Alison Ashley, just like a cookie cutter, like type A, hyper-organised. But, you know, for me it's just any thought pattern where where our standards for ourselves are so high that they're irrational and that no matter what we'll do, we'll never be enough. And I think a lot of us have so much insight and we dish out so much great advice to everyone else, but for whatever reason, we think we're the exception and we, and, and for us, only self-abuse will work, but it doesn't work. And when we take that time to reflect, we, we can see that it doesn't work. And it, I think zooming out is a beautiful way to kind of refresh our minds and give ourselves that bigger picture view of like these little things that I'm fighting with myself over, then they don't even matter in the scheme of things. Like my brain is just in a fear response. That's literally its job. Like I can't fault it for that. I'm not going to beat myself up for beating myself up. But I also, I'm the one behind the wheel. I'm in charge. I'm not going to identify with every little worrying thought that comes along and tells me that maybe I suck. (laughs) Oh, man, saying that perfectionist out loud, I was like, oh, that is me. (laughs) Because it's like, yeah, I think it's important for people to know that perfection and perfectionism I think you definitely don't have it all together you're trying to keep it all together and Mm. it's quite painful and exhausting and like a practice that I've been doing for that is like my my level of perfectionism is like (laughs) being productive every minute of the day for as many minutes of the day as I possibly can yeah and it starts sometimes with a morning routine a lot of the time I would say my morning routine flows and it fills me up. But if I'm in, and this was really real for me um, coming out of the recent book launch, I was almost manic because I was, you know, working so hard and I was like up, meditate, um, you know, uh, make a coffee, do this, do that. And it was just like so rigid. And I actually yeah. caught myself being like, are you meditating or are you ticking a box you know is this a Mm -hmm. true deep meditation where you're really tapping in or is this the box that you tick because you're in this go 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 mode and you've you've convinced yourself that you need meditation and so I go through stages which I'm in right now of making my morning routine not about a very strict morning meditation and more about flow and slow and reading books and um, drinking coffee because sometimes my perfectionism um, comes into having a very rigid morning routine. Mm, yeah, isn't that so interesting? I think that people feel like, oh, when I do something like meditation, something spiritual or conscious, that um, it's good for me. But nothing is like by default good. Like we can, we're so tricky like that, aren't we? Like our brains can turn anything into a punishment <laughs> if we let it. Yeah. <laughs> You really got to watch um, watch the why, you know, and um, and I think that your approach, just checking in with yourself and being like, what would actually make me feel good in this moment? Maybe I just want to have a mindful cup of coffee. Like that's mm. so much more beneficial than sitting down and forcing oneself to meditate and, you know, ending up with a headache because you were just fighting yourself the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. It's like, yeah, constantly checking in and asking the question of of why am I doing this? I think that's a beautiful, consistent, like continual practice that we should all be doing because otherwise we end up building a dream that somebody else is expecting of us or that, you know, we think somebody is expecting of us that isn't actually what we want. And mm-hmm. a good time to check in is if things feel out of alignment or your body's responding, might be time to do that for those listening at home. Um, I'm interested in um, running a conscious business. And this is something that since discovering meditation and going on um, a journey of, you know, from the hardcore hustle to integrating feminine and masculine energy in my business, where there's times for structure and, and goal setting and and just doing what needs to be done, but there's also time for flow and creativity and and intuition. And I think for me, my I noticed a shift in my business where 
I stopped creating solely from my head of like, you know, mm-hmm. the online marketing courses and the books and the personal development and, um, you know, do, 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 let's hack and data and clicks and all of that and moved into uh, more of a heart-centered space of being like, what do people need and how can I be of service and how do I create a business that helps people and trying to be more intuitive into tapping into my audience and I noticed the shift in that my business started to grow with more ease and almost give a more coherent potent message that seemed to to take it further around the world um yeah but how do how do you run your business <laughs> and um as a as a witch <laughs> and also how can we tap into more of that those at home who might be going you know, I'm really working hard and it's, you know, everything is hustle and it doesn't quite feel like it's getting anywhere and everyone else is, you know, doing these things. How do you start to cultivate more of that intuitive guidance in, in your business? Yeah, I think like so much of that pressure and that like, oh, I'm not doing, you know, the right things fast enough is comparison because we are in a bit of an echo chamber, um, like regardless of our fields and our titles, just the nature of the internet nowadays and social media in particular, it's um, there's just so much noise and it's all saying like, like you were saying, da-da, strategy, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's just, um, it's a minefield and there's really no consistency. Like everybody is saying something different anyway. And so I've just kind of learnt to kind of block that out and just do what feels good to me day by day, to be honest. Like I do work well with um, some kind of semblance of a structure, but it's so loosey-goosey, you know. So I'll have um, like Wednesdays and Thursdays are my client days. It's where I like dedicate all my time to actually, you know, serving those people. Um And Mondays, Tuesdays are more just kind of like ideas and content creation and admin. Um, I like having Fridays off because I just need it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I want to protect that. Um, But being, you know, neurodivergent and um, having like chronic illness stuff, it's just I can't afford to um, let someone else on the internet some stranger like dictate to me what good looks like so ever since COVID first happened um I've pretty much posted like once a week on Instagram sometimes it's twice um and no one in their right mind would ever like tell someone that they should do that like that's not a it's not a model for like Mm -hmm. growth um but it's just what felt good to me and it certainly hasn't hindered me in any way you know Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's just about like when we have a sense of what we want to do versus what's just like draining um like I love to think of think of it as like energy accounting which is a term that's often talked about in um in autism circles interestingly but what's draining versus what's energizing and if we can assign a numerical value to a list of those things we can have those kind of maybe you know once or three times a day check-ins with ourselves and be like how many draining things have I done versus how many energizing things have I done how much rest have I had you know and so as much as we all do need to make money Mm. there's no rush like there's just no rush especially because as we were saying before um ideally you're doing a couple of things at once you haven't you know taken a big leap if you have though like props to you so brave and I can understand that that pressure feels compounded but you can always you know look to other forms of employment part-time to give you that you know keep your head above water financially so you don't feel that pressure to have everything happen now because I just think that's a recipe for burnout anyway like for me small gradual sustainable steps are like my whole philosophy and existence if I tried to 
come out of the gate with like everything in its place, you know, doing the ideal, like doing the most, um, I would have stopped by now, you know. So for me, small and scrappy is enough. Good enough is enough. Mm. (laughs) And trying as much as possible to just like put on those horse blinders and don't look at what other people are doing because they may be doing all the things right now, but who's to say that they're going to have the capacity and energy to do that in two years. They might have their own, you know, stuff that comes up that means that they have to take a year off because they're freaking exhausted. So Mm. there's another coach called Lucy Sheridan who I adore Um, and she talks about, you know, it's not just about everyone having their own timing, which is very personal and sacred to each of us, but it's almost like time zones, you know. So right now it's the afternoon, but somewhere else in the world it's early morning. Neither of those are right. Like someone in, say, Barcelona isn't going to say, my time is right and yours is actually um, just fake news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that just, I guess that's just taking like the timing analogy to like a deeper level. Um, our reality is ours, and I just think that slow is sustainable. If you can pick up the momentum as you go, great, let yourself ride that momentum. But if you don't have it now, it doesn't mean that like you're not doing a good job. You're going to have those ebbs and flows. And I think for me, that's how I like to do things. So some weeks I feel really inspired and I'll put out a lot of stuff. I'll create some stuff. Other weeks I'll do the absolute bare minimum and that's okay. You know, especially as someone who has my period, like I like to think of those um, natural kind of consistent ebbs and flows as a guiding kind of one of the the guiding principles of like what's going on with me you know so if I'm two days out from getting my period I'm gonna be crying at the drop of a hat (laughs) I'm gonna feel disgusting (laughs) and um and if it's a full moon you know I might feel like super energized and there's heaps of stuff that I just want to like release out into the world um and so our bodies, our guts, like know best. And I think it's just about like creating enough spaciousness and stillness in our lives away from that noise where we can remember what the truth is for us. And that can be a thing that constantly changes and evolves as we do. Mm. No, I love all of that advice. And I think that, yeah, I can't stress enough how important it is to not compare yourself to other people especially through Instagram like it is it is the ultimate place for fake news you know where <laughs> you can really perceive everyone's got their own channel and everyone's in charge of how what message they're putting out and what what they're showing you and what they're not showing you so yeah <clears throat> a really good reminder to not um yeah to to not see that as as all that is happening you know and I think I love that around um, a few of my friends when they're going through tough times, I'll often say like, you know, when you're, and this is, I think, going back to that message you gave around, if you build your business from your values and what your, what lights you up, then that's uniquely your business that you're here to bring to life, right? And you know that if you care enough about it, that when you've got energy or when the the alignment is right or the timing is right that you'll you know you'll walk through those gates and and make things happen um but again also back to that maybe that conditioning is like we've been conditioned to be on you know 50 weeks of the year nine to five 40 mm-hmm. hours a week so which you know i think we are as a society debunking that yeah. um as the norm and I think yeah it's good to to step out and to question that um but yeah another thing I was going to say oh that's what I was also learning in my research is that there's this uh, I don't know if you've heard the Yerkes Dodson law um and it's it's pretty much this curve where they've I'm going to do some more research on the weekend about it um but it's pretty much there's a sweet spot of challenge and so and 
So how much of are you aroused by and, you know, excited and passionate about a task? Um, and then where's your peak performance for that task? And it's like where the challenge is big enough for you, that there's a sweet spot where the challenge is great enough to really excite you and make you grow and move towards it. Um, and you'll go into like a flow state and be high performing. But if the challenge is too low, then you get bored and stagnant and you, you know, like what you're saying about going to your job and not really wanting to give 100%. Mm-hmm. And But if the challenge is too high, then you go into anxiety and overwhelm. And I think that's what you, to your point before of like, if the challenge to make money in your business right now is is making it really hard then maybe get you know some other cash on the side or something so that it can reduce the challenge level Mm, that's so fascinating I love that because I really think this is all a challenge and at the end of the day it's like pick your battle like what challenges do you want do you want the challenge of like comparison and pressure and like you know exponential growth and now, 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 or do you want the challenge of unpacking those negative belief systems and doing things in a small and scrappy way, even if it's scary, because not neither one is an easy road, you know, like they're both really hard and they, it sounds like maybe, you know, just a, just a completely um, hypothesized based on this, based on the very little I know about that study. It sounds like as long as there's, you know, a challenge that's meaningful to you, like that sweet spot is available to you. So it's kind of like, what do you want to prioritize? You know, I think um, when we do expose ourselves to IG, you know, IG and other people's businesses and how they're doing things and we get into a full-blown comparison panic attack, that's when we are at our least aligned. Mm -hmm. And to be quite frank, it's when, things that aren't even ethical take place. For example, copying, which is rife. So, you know, being in the challenge that suits you and that you can kind of measure against your values doesn't mean it's an easy road. It just means that it's the challenge that's going to make that sweet spot possible. Mm, yeah, you nailed it. And I actually had an example of this where I, when I was studying this, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And because you can apply it to every aspect of your business, right? And for me, like um, I was, my book has been picked up by Audible. Oh, great. It's coming out next month. (laughs) But they asked me to come in and record it. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, I love public speaking. I have a podcast. They're like, we've listened to your podcast. It's going to be great. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, wow, yes, you'll be reading it. I go in to to record for three hours straight and I came home exhausted and Audible called me in the afternoon. They're like, "Uh, yeah, you're not that good. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) I've never really, like, you know, my whole life of public speaking has been my jam, you know, and um, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to rise to this challenge. Like watch me become a voiceover artist in two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and me. this is coming, yeah, coming off the back of, uh, you know, relocating from Sydney to Melbourne, doing 14 days self-ISO um, and then being put back into lockdowns um, again. And, mm-hmm. you know, by this stage I'm really exhausted of leading up to the book launch. And But I was like, nah, I can do it. So I, I hire a business, a voiceover coach. Um, I reschedule with Audible and I do the voice coaching and she sent me all this homework and I realized I just wasn't doing it. I was procrastinating about it and um, I found the voice coaching really draining. As I was just like, I just, she kind of just set the bar for how far I had to try and make it work and mm-hmm. um, what how much work would have to go into it. And I it was a big ego thing for me where I had to really go, is this challenge really necessary for you right now in your state of mind? Like, do you really need this challenge and do you have it in you to rise to this challenge or is this challenge actually too high for for, for your levels, your energy levels right now? And it really helped me to, to zoom out and go, yeah, I don't think you, the, the bar feels really high. Maybe if you weren't depleted and in lockdown you would, you know, 
be able to rise, but right now you don't, you've got zero in the tank. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I imagine like high jump, you know, it's like sometimes you just haven't done enough training to get over that high jump, but <laughs> it's just not your level right now. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's often about time and place, you know, like you say, it's like, maybe this just isn't right now because mm-hmm. I've been through all this other stuff and, you know, can I just like put a pin in it? You know, mm-hmm. does it doesn't mean that it's, it's never going to happen. It doesn't mean anything's final. It's just where I'm at right now. Yeah. And it's, so they ended up hiring. I, I had to send the email saying, look, I think you're right. I'm not quite up to scratch. And I don't think I've got it in me to get up to scratch out of respect for how amazing voiceover artists are as well. Um, but I think that um, something that I learned in that process is by letting go of that thing that was like I felt like I had to be able to achieve and I was like, well, this is your chance to grow in a new way that you're always telling other people to grow. But by letting that go and realising that that challenge was actually out of reach for me right now, it actually like I felt so much peace and ease and it just freed up so much creative energy for me and I ended up, you know, working on this mindset shift stuff and, yeah, it was exactly what I needed so I think you can also look at your task list and be like do I need to be doing this or can I give it to somebody else yeah it's such a great example of how saying no isn't like closing a door often it's just like making space for something else that feels even better you know like the the mindset shift stuff wouldn't have happened otherwise Mm, yeah absolutely and I think like it kind of sums up our whole conversation which is this you know, zooming out and checking in and asking the question and designing a business that lights you up. Maybe that'll, we'll call the podcast that. Love it. (laughs) Hey, just to finish off, um, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and for sharing your story. What would your number one tip be for somebody looking to start their own business or, um, yeah, to grow what's your number one tip in business holy moly um what's coming to me right now is to do with our uh fear and that's so closely tied up with our ego and when we're really first starting out um being seen and being judged is one of the main ways that we scare the crap out of ourselves and prevent ourselves from ever starting. And so something that really helped me um, that I sometimes refer to is there's this incredible psychologist who I worked with um, at Girlboss. She was on my previous podcast called Dr. Lauren. And I was really, really scared when I was doing a bit of public speaking once and she like grabbed me by the shoulders and said, it's not about you. And it was so liberating and refreshing because I was like, it's not about me. Like I have something that I think will help people. I want to serve. I want to inspire, delight, you know, whatever it is in your individual business, you are just a channel. And like to say it in a really kind of, you know, abrupt kind of frank way, your audience doesn't give a fuck about you. And I say that in the best way. Like they don't care who you are. You are just a messenger of something bigger, of something that's going to help them. And serving is just the whole point. Like nobody, you know, cares about your, like if you feel like, oh, I'm really cringy, I'm really awkward, fine. Like if you feel like you want to work on it, like you've got all the time and space in the world to do that. But letting those kinds of things stop you is just like a massive egoic self-sabotage because there's people out there that are waiting to hear from you and to be served and inspired by you and by what you have to do, whether it's products, services, whatever. So, yeah, I always just like to remind people that it's not about you. So just get out of your own way. And sometimes the awkward cringy is what they love because they can right. relate to it, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> who, do, who wants to, like, work with someone who's completely non-relatable? Yeah, I, I learned that lesson early of trying to trying to um, play up into the startup. You know, I <laughs> found these really horrible photos of me on the internet <laughs> the day of my, I think it was my first photo shoot as a, as a startup creative and I'm like, 
wearing this awkward like corporate looking outfit holding a laptop like staring into the camera I was like that's it right like you're such a great example of that for people because you're just completely yourself like I think we both are and that hasn't done anything except work in our favor you know Um, there's a there's such a greater legitimacy in just showing up exactly as you are than there is in like cosplaying a businesswoman in a blazer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, you can see the awkwardness in me because it's so uncomfortable. Now I'm like in a hoodie with a shaved head sitting on the couch (laughs) doing a podcast, you know, Um, and I'm so much happier. But uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, yes, I 100% agree. I love your authenticity. I love how open and honest you are, how you seem to be designing your your dream life and business and, and following what lights you up. So thank you for being that example for so many and sharing so much incredible wisdom today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so delightful. Pleasure. I'm so glad we got here. It was, uh, I feel like we could go on for hours, but we will let people get back to their real lives. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.